Welcome to Casual Talk Radio Podcast found at casualtalkradio.net. My name is Leister, I'm your host. Thank you for dialing in today, whether you're an existing subscriber or a new listener. We welcome everybody. Got a couple things to get out of the way first, and then we're going to get right into our topic for today. Casualtalkradio.net. That's our website. Check it out for all of our different podcast episodes, past and present. We're constantly making updates. We're refining the website experience. If you have any feedback, we'd appreciate hearing it. You can hit the contact link at the top, fill out the form, come straight to us. You can also leave us a voice message if you want to leave your thoughts on audio, and it may be played on the air. Who knows? Let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. I got some news here. So for personal, it's personal, but it ties to the podcast here. Gentlemen's talk, casual talk radio, gentlemen's world. Here's what happened. I, I believe it looks like it's all done and I'm skeptical because of I'm a cynical sort these days, but it appears like it's all done and I'm waiting now for delivery. So here's what happened. I was telling the story about the nonsense involved in buying cars found a service online. I'm not going to tell you about it now because if it goes through, which means the car is here, safely arrives, there's no issues with the car or any of this, as long as everything's fine, then I will call back on the podcast, that episode, and I will tell you the story. And here's the highlight. The person that's behind this, apparently they are willing to come on the show and chat with me about their service. They actually have a lot of things going on. And they podcasting is one of the things that they do. And so I said, you know what? This is great. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and invite you if you're open. If this all works and everything's great, I'm going to go ahead and do this. So here's how this is going to work. We're going to wait till this car shows up. If it shows up, I'm going to make sure there's nothing wrong with the car. I'm going to make sure there's no damage. Everything's clean. Of course, the damage isn't the car dealer's fault. But I want to just talk about the process because there's two services involved. There's the service to get the car. There's also the service to ship the car. And I want to give a shout out to the, the buying process because I think that it's a great way uh, to, to deal with this. So how this works is I think this service is, it's like, I'm sure you've seen the ads of like Carvana. This service does what Carvana promises but fails to do. This service did it perfect. I was I was stunned, at least so far, in terms of the process. So I will be, at some point in the near future, talking about that, and hopefully we will get to where we can um, have him on the show, chat with him a little bit, give him a chance to tell you about it. He is not paying me. I'm giving him a shout-out because I was so proud of what, at least so far, what I see of this process. Now, the other service, the shipping service, it's a newer service. I had never done a car shipping service, mostly because... I get frustrated, frankly, with uh, service providers, and I wanted to minimize how many hoops, but this one, this place I bought it from is like five hours away. This service basically said, yeah, we can get it there. We don't charge you up front. We only charge you at the point of delivery, but it apparently includes the insurance. It's expedite is available. They have all the bells and whistles, and it's a quick, quick and dirty deal. So I figured, okay, I'll give them a shout out as well. That way, if anybody's ever trying to do what I was trying to do, you now have a situation where somebody's already fought this for you. Somebody's already gone through the nonsense and finally found some services that look like they're going to be really good. So we'll see how it goes, and I'm really excited how that works. So that's my personal update. Endeavors are the endeavors. I actually got my, uh, for the initial, the Carvana 
almost swore BS. Uh, I got my deposit back. Got my money back. It showed up today. I actually escalated to the BBB and magically the money came lightning fast. So I got that back. So money, I'm good because I had to, I bought this car, this car that I'm talking about. I bought it straight out, cash. Pay cash, like the uh, Uncle Elroy from uh, next Friday. Pay cash, so it's all paid for. So I will not have a car payment for this, but it was a lot. It was a lot to the point my bank called me and they're like, are you sure you meant to do that? Yes. Are you sure it's the right thing? Yes. This is an awful lot of money. Yeah, it is. I'm just making sure. Do, do, do. Yes. Go ahead and release it. It's fine. And frankly, you know, it's just money, but it was a lot of money to send in one transaction. And I appreciate my bank. Shout out to them for calling and just making sure it wasn't getting ripped off or scammed. I know it seemed weird, but it is what it is. And I think, like I said, this is a transformative type of service. If they can pull this off, it's huge. It's like they're, they're, they should be larger than they are. I checked reviews. There are some negative reviews, but I think it's people that didn't read about the service. And I'll talk about that more once this is all wrapped up and we get to that podcast episode. In the meantime, I was inspired through social media to tell a story that happened on a personal note. This happened a while ago. And to go ahead and just share that story so that Hopefully people are learning from these things and they learn what to avoid so that you don't have to go through the nonsense that I had to go through at my point in my distant past. A gentleman on the social media side, so in this case, Twitter, sent out a message in response to another message from a quote-unquote professor. And this professor, basically, he was advocating for a clean separation of for children of your career path and the educational process. I want to back this up a little bit, at least when I was going to school. So we're talking middle school, high school, uh, even elementary to some degree. What they used to do, I don't know if they still do this. I'm assuming not, but what they used to do was elementary school was pretty much a free for all. You're, you're forced into certain fixed courses and these courses are very beneficial. They give you the core essentials you need to survive in the real world, things like counting, things like math, right? English, reading, writing, all these things that you will need no matter what. You get to junior high or quote middle school as it's called some places. You get to junior high and all of a sudden you're introduced to other things, at least back when, back in my day, things like metal shop and the auto shop, your driver's ed class, sex ed class, wood shop, music, uh, art to some degree. And I actually took classes like um, we did a, there was a class that did public speaking. There was a class that did all these. And so the thought is we're giving you more of this well-rounded education. Now, when I went through typewriting was a requirement. You had to go through that class to learn typing, to understand how to type. And of course it was a terrible class because back then the mantra was make sure you're cupping your hands like you're holding a bubble and keep your fingers on the home row, which I don't do, by the way. As a result of me not doing that, I type 120 words a minute with a 97% accuracy rate because I don't follow that rule because that rule is too rigid. Now, here's the thing, though. If I hadn't gone through the typing class just to go through it, I wouldn't have familiarity with the concept of typing. So every class, pretty much, that I took in junior high school was the most valuable class I could ever think of. But there was one class, and I'll never forget this, and I'm pretty sure that was junior high when this first happened. 
Never forget the story. So the problem with this professor and what they're advocating, I support it. But the problem what they're advocating is they were saying that we should have scientists focus on math to help their studies. STEM, which is the equivalent of what I do for a living, because computers is essentially a science. That's why it's called computer science to some people. They focus heavily on math. If you go through college programs around this, they will require you to take excessive amounts of math classes. I actually don't mind basic math classes, but I also took things like biology and chemistry. I was forced to then take things like trigonometry, which I think is a waste of time, geometry, which is somewhat misleading because it doesn't focus like it's supposed to, and so many other math-oriented classes that are, frankly, a waste of time in my perspective because I don't use the vast majority of them. Also, the scam back in the school days was, in some cases, you couldn't even use a calculator or a scientific calculator, and many of the college programs will ban the use of the computer-type calculators. Now, think about this. This was the aha for me. We force in the education system not using tools to let us do the job quickly and efficiently because we want people to do rote memorization, rote as R-O-T-E, memorization of steps. That's not education. That's conformity. We are conforming people to follow orders. This, folks, is what school is all about. It is we're training you to follow orders. It's never about education because memorization is not education. Conception, the idea of ideation, let's say, arts, design, these are educational things, but even art class is a scam because they grade you on whether that teacher likes your painting or not. It's all a scam. That was my aha, and so I started rebelling. When I was in high school, I rebelled against it. In junior high, though, I'll never forget it. So for math, for me, my whole thing has been I like to get to the outcome, the solution, and I find creative ways of getting to the solution. If you imagine yourself, if you needed to know how to get somewhere, what's the first thing you do? You pull up your navigation app on your phone or tablet or computer, and you type in the address, and it gives you the directions. You don't need to get out and walk. You don't need to deal with a paper map because you already know that those are not the most efficient ways to find the answer. You have been conditioned by your device that these are easier ways to get to an outcome. So my challenge to this was always, why is it in certain cases we're okay simplifying the process for people, but in school, we force people to go the long way? The rebuttal always is, well, what if you don't have that device? Do, do. You always will have a paper map. You always can fall back to a paper process. You always theoretically could walk it. You always could ask somebody. You always could call somebody. You always could call 411. There are multiple ways otherwise that don't depend on rote memorization. So the story today, I'll never forget this day because of the way I work. Let's take multiplication, generic multiplication, or even fractions, but we'll talk about multiplication at a generic level. Let's assume, and I'm going to pull up my notepad so I can visualize what I'm explaining to you. Let's assume that you're presented with a math problem. There are simple math problems, and there are not so simple math problems. Basic multiplication is reasonably simple when you understand the rules that apply. For example, if I told you 122 times 2, you know that I'm asking you for double 
every single digit that's there. So you get 244. But if I can visually look at that and know that that's the right answer, because I simply take two, multiply by the one, multiply by the two, multiply by the two. By that logic, then, if I said 122 times three, what's the simple way to solve that? Well, I do times two and add 122. I'm going to get what? 366. Now I've got two ways I could have got to that answer. I could have said three times one, three times two, three times two, or 122 times two plus another 122 because we know plus arithmetic plus is easier to deal with than multiplication if I didn't know. Well, here's how it gets even easier. If I knew 122 times three is 366, logically, what must 122 times 30 B, all we're doing is adding a zero, 3,660. I can visually look at it and understand that that must be the right freaking answer because of rules I was taught back in elementary school. They told you this. That's why I know nine times 12 is 108, not because I sat and did the math per se, but because they forced us to listen to a song, a country song, that told us repeatedly nine times 12 is 108. And I remembered this. So now I'm up in front of the class and she gives me some weird, I don't even remember what the actual problem was, but she gives me some weird problem and I instantly knew what the answer was and I spit it out. Here's what the answer is. How do you know it's the right answer? It is. There's no way it's wrong. It, we're talking something dumb, simple. It was, it was multiplication related. Show your work. That right there is the bane of all education. Show your work. Prove to me that your answer is correct, which if we were an evolved society would involve me pulling out a calculator and typing it in there and showing you the calculator agrees with me. And that's how I prove it's correct because the calculator can't be wrong. But in our society, what we do is we force people to, quote, show their work. So we're talking, I'm going to take this three, and I'm going to put it over top of here, and then I'm going to do the math down so I get that one, and I'm going to carry the one over there because it hit 10, and then I'm going to put the zero down here, and then because that's zero, I'm going to move this over here and do this over there, and that's how I know, deep, 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 things you would never do in the workplace, things you're not going to do when you're in front of a cash register at work, things that don't matter. What matters is outcomes. When I got into the workforce then, because I rebelled against math, I actually had an easier time of it because I focused on outcomes. Mind you, I'm not advocating anybody out there completely ignore their educational duty. All I'm saying is part of the aha for me and the reason that I understand why this person believes that math should focus on science, even though I don't agree I understand it, is because ultimately math forces you to follow directions. And in science... Perhaps that makes all the sense in the world. I don't know that it makes sense for an artist. I don't know it makes sense for a computer specialist. I don't know that it makes sense for a plumber. I think the student should be able to get to solutions. And the solution-focused student is going to have an easier time in the, quote, real world than one that's focused on rope memorization. Because rope memorization is not going to be reused because now you've got all these tools around you that we have forced on people by way of phones, tablets, calculators, computers. 
that automatically solve it for you. We forced that on people. In a world where we didn't have it, all that logic might have made sense, but we forced all these technological aids. What I'm saying is if we don't encourage the use of resources and resourcefulness and the ability to solve problems and think outside of how I got there and simply focus on the right answer, and we can prove the right answer with our technology, as long as I know how to find the right answer, the how and the why it matters, those are going to be the more powerful workers in the workplace. Those are going to be the people that are able to survive in a world where everything is rapid, fast paced, and you don't have time to sit there with a piece of paper trying to carry the one and cross out the zero, where you've got to get quick answers because your boss is yelling and screaming at you. The people who are quickly able, resourceful enough to find the right answer and they're confident it's the right answer because they went straight to the resource to get it, they're the ones that are going to survive this next era of forced technology. Once again, I know some will question this. I am not telling you what to do. I can't. I'm saying this commentary about math in general caused me to recall a very terrible time where we were trying to basically condition people, and I know we still do this, condition people into do it this way. You can't do it any other way. Do it like this, period. We then see this when we transact business with these companies. The story I told about Carvana, they've been told and conditioned to only do it this way, and they cannot deviate to get creative about how to solve creative problems. The result, the customer gets frustrated. The reputation tanks. Carvana has an F on BBB. Why does it have an F? Because it doesn't empower, as our schools don't, empower the worker to think outside the box and focus on outcomes and solutions and empower them to make the situation correct based on all the resources we already have available, as opposed to reinventing the wheel and creating these convoluted side processes that don't get us to our outcomes. In summary, I believe that we should embrace education, but on a more fluid level. I believe that we should strengthen a child or a young adult's ability to find their own resourcefulness. Challenge them to find the answer, not tell them what to do. Because when you tell somebody what to do, instead of empowering them to find the answer, you're not helping them grow. You're stymieing them. And they're going to be lost and confused in a world where they're going to be expected to tap dance because some overpaid CEO can't seem to make up their minds. That's going to be the food for thought. Consider whether you empower a child to learn stuff. And this is where encyclopedias are great. I know there's this resistance to buying encyclopedias. You can do the online one, that's fine. But if you now challenge the child and you say, here's the problem I want you to solve, and I want you to find out how to give me an answer. I'm not going to let you use your phone this time, but you can use a computer because I want you to document what you found and I want you to write something up for me. And then you're going to explain it to me and you're going to make sure I understand it. All of these are going to enhance that person's soft skills. It's going to enhance that person's confidence talking in a mixed company, explaining concepts, not only that you found an answer, but that you can explain it confidently to a group. Consider how much more powerful that can be as opposed to simply dictating to a child how they're supposed to solve a problem 
and then wasting their time trying to explain to the teacher and justify why their answer is correct. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process that's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at casualtalkradio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care, and I will see you on our next upload.